0: Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news?
1: And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Have we got the podcast for you.
0: Welcome to D23 Inside Disney.
1: I'm Tony from Good Morning America. I'm Jeffrey from D23.
0: And I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And together, we're taking you Inside Disney. Hello. Hello. Hey, friends.
1: Hi! So good to see you guys.
2: I know spring is in the air. Like, I, can you feel it?
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I turned on the AC the other day. Like, oh, it's hot ready. here for the first time.
1: I I actually when I went down year. to a, a touch of Disney for my second time because we all know that I have many issues. I actually <laughs> wore shorts. It was so awesome. It was beautiful. Whoa. The weather was amazing. It was gorgeous. The food was still great i got to go to lamplight lounge and have my lobster nachos which i love to see amazing oh oh,
0: i haven't thought about those in so long
1: they are magical and i may be going one more time this weekend i know i know (gasps) i mean
0: do you think lobster nachos travel for an hour in in a hot car to me
1: i'm gonna say if you would like to test that theory we can yeah, sure. definitely play that out to see how good lobster nachos taste after being in a car for an hour plus because you know i'm not going to like leave right from lamplight lounge i'm gonna have to go and oh, wander go through the stores in downtown disney you know but maybe right, right.
0: i'll take them in any state
1: we may <laughs> have to put you on one of the what we'll call what dr pole or someone to help you out yeah. one of your good friends
0: <laughs> yeah we'll call a vet to help me out yes. <laughs>
1: um and shout out to our pals valerie brian guzik jill lapperly and dave stevens who all reached out to me on instagram liking our show last week with danny Pooty. so that was fun um and Ooh. watched the second episode of falcon and the winter soldier which was so good so into the show I'm every nice. episode is so satisfying oh it's so good agree tony what else have you been up to So obviously American Idol,
2: once we get through the auditions, I'm really hooked, but we're now down to the top 24, you guys. So super excited. There's just immense talent and the stories behind all of these singers and artists are just so compelling. I just love to see it. And I cry every episode. So thank you, (laughs) Ryan, Luke, Bobby, Lionel, and Katie for that. (laughs) And then at GMA, we had come on, Justin Bieber on GMA performed (gasps) not one, but two songs was literally the highlight of my month. He performed his new hit uh, song, Hold On and Anyone for us from his new album. So that was a big treat for me, uh, for us over here at GMA. Nice. Wow. Sherry.
0: Well, I also want to give an Instagram shout out to a new pal. Her name is Kendall. She is a listener of our show. And she was excited to hear how excited I am about Survivor and wanted to know which season to start with. So we were DMing about that. For those who want to dive into Survivor, it's never too late. I mean, I'm like 21 years too late. (laughs) Start with season 13, Cook Islands, on Hulu, and you will be hooked. Talk about every episode being satisfying. Ooh, ooh, it's good. I just finished the last season that I was talking about last week, the second chance season. So I've got to start a new one and I'm always looking for Rex. So DM me fellow survivor fans.
1: I mean, how many seasons do you have left?
0: Oh, you know, I've been talking about survivor for so long. I think I still have like 30 seasons left.
1: (laughs) Okay. Then wow.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: So coming up on the pod, we have a fantastic friend of the show. Imagineer, Kevin Rafferty, who is retiring. In fact, like right this second, he's retiring. So he talks about some of the incredible experiences he's had and the projects he's worked on from Figment to Cars Land to the Tower of Terror to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So stay tuned for that. Um, But some other huge news came out of Anaheim this past week. Disneyland Resort has begun a a multi-year public planning effort with the city of Anaheim to allow for more integrated experiences throughout the Disneyland Resort's current footprint. So currently, Disneyland Resort can build additional theme park attractions, hotel rooms, entertainment, retail, dining, shopping, and parking, But right now, development approvals limit the ways in which the resort can expand and locate its offerings. So they launched Disneyland Forward to update development approvals so they can meet the future demand in entertainment, allowing for integrated immersive experiences to be appropriately placed and built throughout Disney properties. Now, I want to be clear here, what Disneyland announced last week was a multi-year planning process with the city and community. They did not announce a multi-year expansion like you may have read or heard over the last several days. Mm. It will take a couple of years just to go through the approval process, which will then set the stage for future growth. So just as the development plan was put in place in the 1990s, which helped to guide the resort's expansion over the last 30 years. The updates to this plan will guide growth and development over the next several decades. Now, Disneyland did not announce any specific project because there is no project at this time. Everything is on the table as it relates to the future development of the resort. The resort launched a website that highlights projects around the world that focus on experiences, including integrated lands like Frozen at Tokyo Disney Sea and Zootopia coming to Shanghai Disneyland. Now, these images will inspire the Imagineers who are dreaming up what the future of Disneyland could look like, not what it will look like. The Disneyland Forward website has a lot of information on it, and we encourage you to check it out at DisneylandForward.com. That's so exciting, though.
2: Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm back with another award season update for you all. You ready?
0: Ooh, yes. The
2: Walt Disney Company receives 17 NLACP Image Award wins for
0: 2021. Wow, amazing.
2: Hooray. The Image Awards honor the accomplishments of people of color in the fields of TV, music, literature, and film, and recognize those who promote social justice through creative endeavors. ABC won eight awards, which was the most for any network or distributor this year. And of note, our friends at ABC's Blackish won five awards of those eight. And other notable wins included Pixar's Soul, Disney Junior's Doc McStuffins, and ESPN's The Last Dance. So go team, 17 Amazing. wins. That's huge.
0: Wow. That is so great. Well, I've got some something especially sweet to share with you all. A Ooh. new look is in the works for Main Street Confectionery at Magic Kingdom Park.
2: <gasps> this should be yes. the top story. Yes. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> <Bump> it
0: up. <laughs> Just saying Main Street Confectionery, I can like smell it, you know what mm-hmm. I
2: mean? Oh. Yeah.
0: The iconic location is closed for refurbishment to receive a fresh new look, expanded layout with more room to shop, and interactive opportunities to customize your confections like never before. I cannot Mm. wait. I
2: love to customize confection, personally. Yes,
0: (laughs) it's the best kind of confection. (laughs) Well, in other sweet news, a two-hour special, Sesame Street 50 Years of Sunny Days is coming (sighs) to ABC. Did you mean
1: sweet news or did you mean street news?
0: Oh, sweet street news. (laughs) So it'll be on Monday, April 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And it's a special that's going to highlight the 50 year impact of this iconic show and the nonprofit behind it called Sesame Workshop. Tons of special guests that I am very excited for, like Dr. Fauci.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Incredible. Whoopi
0: Goldberg. John Legend, Lucy Liu, Olivia Munn, Questlove, Chrissy Teigen, Usher, so many more. Sesame Street has always had a way of talking about such complex real world topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion in like a totally accessible way for people of all ages. So Mm -hmm. this special is going to reflect upon those efforts that have earned Sesame Street some real respect and chronicles the creation and introduction of a Black family of Sesame Street Muppets, Wes and Elijah Walker a father and son duo who are at the heart of Sesame Workshop's new racial justice initiative called Coming Together. Nice. So if you don't catch up on ABC on the 26th, you can view it the next day on demand and on Hulu.
2: I've never been more excited to watch Sesame Street as an adult, personally, with Same. those guests. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: speaking of being excited, I have another hashtag sports announcement for everyone. Woo. Buckle up. Ooh. This is really great. So ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Plus are set to carry more than 380 Major League Soccer regular season matches in 2021. So the MLS, you guys, is in the house, in the mouse house, I should say. Uh, This will also include Spanish-language telecasts of the matches as well on ESPN Deportes. So, so much to look forward to for sports fans. The season kicks off on ABC and ESPN Deportes so soon, starting April 18th.
1: And speaking of soccer, something else that is kicking off this April, sorry guys, I couldn't <laughs> help it, is production on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the yes! new Star Wars series coming to Disney+. Yay! As fans at D23 Expo saw, Ewan McGregor is back as the iconic yes. Jedi Master, and Hayden Christensen is back as Anakin Skywalker turned evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. Plus, they announced a whole bunch of other cast members, Joel Egerton, Bonnie Peace, uh, and other big Star Wars news. Star Wars The Bad Batch has released its first trailer. The show is going to be debuting on Disney Plus May 4th. It is a a spinoff of the characters who were introduced in The Clone Wars. Uh, D. Bradley Baker will voice many of the clones as he did in the past. And I believe you catch a little glimpse of our friend uh, and Disney legend Ming-Na as Fennec in um, in the trailer. So stay tuned for that and visit StarWars.com for all the info on the series. But coming sooner, we've got five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. Jeffrey, what's up first? Well, Jeffrey, Ewoks Battle for Endor (laughs) is new to the Disney Plus library on Facebook friday april 2nd which was a it was an abc movie for tv based mm-hmm. on um a story from george lucas himself and as if that was not enough also new to the library on friday april 2nd is star wars ewoks um it was a 35 episode series focusing on the life of young Wicket and his friends so a whole lot of star wars to talk about this week
0: Nice. Well, back on our planet, same day, Friday, (laughs) April 2nd, there is a documentary premiere on FX at 9 p.m. Eastern. It is called Hysterical. In Hysterical, we journey backstage and on the road with veteran comedians, rising stars, and novices to discover how this group of boundary breaking females are changing the game. Shatter that glass ceiling, ladies. Yes.
2: I love everything about that. Woo! I love a doc. And speaking of, I got another one for you. WeWork, or The Making and Breaking of a $47 Billion Unicorn premieres on Hulu Friday, April 2nd. So this film explores the rise and fall of one of the biggest corporate flameouts in venture capitalist bubbles in recent years. That was a lot of words there. But working in news, I've been following the story for a long time. I really can't wait to watch this. But it takes a look at the community-centric, people-first ideal that sent this little co-working venture skyrocketing into unicorn investment territory, and then investigates what was really going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So super exciting. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, capping off the weekend with uh, Sherry's Sports Corner.
1: Well, that's something. (laughs) The one in (laughs) November.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's brand new. It might just be a one-time only thing, but we've got a documentary <laughs> special coming to ESPN plus on Sunday, April 4th. It's called the one in November. It is a first ever look behind the scenes at Augusta national golf club. So we get the inside scoop on the 2020 masters in COVID times and yeah, tee, get ready to tee up for this. Is that what they say? In <laughs> I it think you, that was a
1: correct reference. Well done.
0: Great. That concludes Jerry's Sports Corner.
1: Teed up. So let's get to our guest. Now, we had the pleasure of interviewing this gentleman on our podcast a year ago for the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Now, before becoming executive creative director for Walt Disney Imagineering, he started his career in 1974 as a dishwasher at Disneyland's Plaza Inn. Now, since then, he's worked on lands and parks such as Cars Land and Blizzard Beach. And helped create attractions including Journey into Imagination with Figment, Test Track, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith, The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, Mickey's PhilharMagic, and Toy Story Mania. Today, he officially retires from the Walt Disney Company, but he leaves a remarkable legacy of creativity and innovation. Please welcome back to the show, Kevin Rafferty.
3: Yay. Ooh, wow, thanks for that great intro, Jeff. Wow, that's fantastic.
1: It's going to take up half of our time because you I did some. You've worked on so many things.
3: <laughs> it made me tired just thinking about all that stuff. Well, thank, thank you, Jeffrey. That was awfully nice. Well, Kevin, congratulations
2: on your retirement. But can you talk to us about what led you to decide that this? was the right moment to do this. I mean, you can't leave us now, right. you know?
3: <laughs> you know, I feel so grateful that so many people have said that to me. It's just its just been so wonderful. Well, to answer your question, this summer will be 43 years. You good folks were there last year at this time when we opened Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway at the mm-hmm. Hollywood Studios in Florida. And it just felt like that attraction was just like the perfect cherry on top of the the cake that was my my long and prolific and wonderful and you know dreamlike really career and it just felt like it was time to go i had a colleague many years ago who i asked the same question when he was retiring i said why are you retiring you have so much tread left on your tire (laughs) and and he said you know what kev when it's time You'll know. And and I kind of did, you know, I I have a great sense of pride and accomplishment. And, you know, the whole career has been really like like a dream. And and while I still have, you know, a few good years left in me, hopefully, I'm gonna just look back at a really fantastic and amazing career. It was really a gift, it really was. And kind of go out while I'm kind of at the top of my game. It just feels right.
0: Wow. Well, Thanks for all the magic you've brought to so many people, including myself. (laughs) You started your Disney career washing dishes at Plaza Inn. So thinking back to back then, what attractions inspired you?
3: Oh, wow. You mean when I was washing dishes, Sherry? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, wow. Every single attraction, I think, at Disneyland inspired me. I was, you know, not only did I work there, but I was a big fan of the park. I grew up in the Anaheim area, Orange County area, and I, I went there quite a bit there's so many that inspired me, of course, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, and It's a Small World, and Haunted Mansion, all the kind of the classic icons. Uh, and I think my favorite ones were the ones that had music involved with them. I mean, you know, imagine Pirates of the Caribbean without the theme song going through, and Haunted Mansion without Grim Grinning Ghosts, and Small World, mm-hmm. without, you know, the great Richard and Robert Sherman tune that sticks in your head for, you know, pretty much your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck in your head. So, and of course, Carousel of of Progress. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow. Another Sherman Brothers. Wonderful, wonderful song. So I think it was mostly the iconic major musical attractions at the park that most inspired me that I I love the most. Now that you say it, it's like I, I feel like all of my
1: favorite attractions are also linked to songs. What was your first official assignment at Walt Disney Imagineering?
3: Wow, that's a great question. You know, it's so funny. It was so long ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. My first assignment was to help the artists and designers that were designing Epcot Center at the time mount and mat their artwork, their concept art for all the pavilions at Epcot, and also to dust models, sweep floors, mop floors, set up conference rooms, and basically keep The model shop area and what I was working in a place called Special Services, keeping that clean. But it sounds like an entry-level job. And actually, it was an entry-level job. It was a very bottom of the barrel. But what I soon discovered was that the amazing thing about being there was that Special Services, the department that I was in, was right in the middle. It was in the heart of the 1401 Flower Street building, the, the Imagineering building. Of course, it was Wet Enterprises at the time. And all of the founding fathers and mothers of WED, the people who designed and built Disneyland, were still there. I was kind of the second generation coming in. And even though I was entry level, I was just a new kid on the block. And really, I I was a kid because I was mounting and matting their concept art. People like Claude Coates and Herbie Ryman and John Hench and, you know, Mark Davis, Harper Goff, you know, Harriet Burns, all these people who designed Disneyland. And I didn't know who a lot of them were at the time, but I got to see these concepts. I was the first one to see them because I was helping them put mats around their concept art. So imagine how cool that was. Wow. Well, you've worked on so many attractions. I have to ask,
2: what's a project that you worked on that we might be surprised to hear you were involved with?
3: There's quite a few of those actually. Two come to mind. One of them is... Years ago, uh, when Pleasure Island came around, I co-wrote the Comedy Warehouse show at Pleasure Island. The adults came to the Comedy Warehouse at the end of the day at the parks, and we wrote a show that was kind of a tongue-in-cheek look at your day's experience as a guest in the parks, and we had a lot of fun with that. And then the second thing that immediately came to mind that a lot of people may not know is the little miniature golf course next to Blizzard Beach uh, Winter Summerland. That is literally my favorite place at Disney World, for the record.
0: Tony, just you
2: just You're brought that up. Me. Wow, <laughs> Your
3: favorite
2: place. I love it. Oh my it's goodness. Incredible. Well, I
3: mean, that's such a perfect <laughs> example of, of how story. You know, story is is everything. How story informs the design and the creation and and the development of something like Winter Summerland, which is the place where Santa and his elves, you know, take a break in the off season. <laughs> so I love funny. that.
0: So. You've worked on such an eclectic slate of types of attractions from the thrills of Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster to the colorful Winnie the Pooh and Journey into the Imagination to filmed projects like Mickey's Fill Our Magic, which is one of my absolute faves. (laughs) Is there a kind of attraction from all of these types that you gravitate toward?
3: Wow, sure. That's a great question. I guess I never really thought about that. But to answer your question, I think I gravitate towards. Well, let me back up for a second. Here's the funny thing is in my entire career, I've, like you said, I've worked on coaster thrill ride types of attractions like Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, which launches, you know, zero to 60 miles an hour in 2.6 seconds or some crazy number like that and does <laughs> double inverted loops. And And you know what? As, as much as I love working on these, I am not really a coaster aficionado. Coasters Ooh. scare me. And dropping scares me. And you know what? And bugs scare me. So I worked on stuff to be a bug. <laughs> but of course, you have to become an expert, you know, doing all the research on them and all that kind of stuff. But I think getting back to the answering your question, I gravitate toward the happy, friendly, musical, colorful, you know, attractions that, that have songs in them, like Mickey's Feel Hard Magic and, and you know, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and and songs that are happy and It's kind of like my taste in movies. I like happy movies. I like movies that make you feel good at the end and everybody's okay. And that's the kind of attraction I like. I like attractions that make you smile when you get off of them or when they're over. Hmm. I gravitate more toward the family-friendly, happy, colorful, musical kind.
0: I love
1: that.
3: Hmm. Well, and perfect that you ended with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway because it sort of hits
1: all of those beats. Yeah. Okay, I know it might be like picking a favorite child, but I'm sure you have one. But <laughs> if you had to pick a
3: favorite project you have worked on, what would it be? Wow. Are you going to hold me to that? I have to narrow it down to one?
1: Well, you know what I always like to say is you could change your mind tomorrow and that's perfectly fine, but what is it right now?
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough question. It's really between two, I have to say, Radio Springs Racers and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. But I think mm-hmm. right now, if you said I could change my mind tomorrow, right now, I think my favorite one is is the last one that I helped bring to life. And, and that, of course, is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, because you just said it, you know, it's about the color and the magic and the music and the spectacle and and the happiness and the the showmanship and kind of the the dimensional theatrical aspect of it. It really delivers on, you know, how good storytelling kind of holds you in the spell of that story. And even though, you know, you know that it is characters and you know it's make-believe, our job really as Imagineers is to make make make-believe believable, you know, and I think that one really kind of does it. You you just leave all your inhibitions at the front door. You come in, the music sweeps you away. It's a brand new theme song. It's a brand new attraction story. It's got Mickey and Minnie. Who doesn't love Mickey and Minnie? And it's got a train. It's got trains. And so, you know, I mean, you could you could go all the way back to the beginning of the company where, you know, Mickey was born on a train and it puts all those together. And it was just so gratifying to be the creative leader of Mickey and Minnie's first ever ride-through attraction. So, all of that said, I think that's why today, that's probably you know, you, you put me in a spot. I had to pick my favorite, but I have a lot of secondary favorites that are really, really, really close to that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect segue! You know, part of the thrill in being part of the Disney cast is that we're all blue skies thinkers. Right, And I think part of the magic in that is that we always somehow pull off these big ideas. So my question to you is, do you have a project that you worked on that stretched you way beyond what you ever thought we could do or beyond what you could do?
3: The answer to that question is, yeah, every single one of them. <laughs> no, really, seriously, <laughs> you think about it. Every single attraction is or, or show is kind of a, a one-off. The first one is nothing else has ever really been done like it before. You know, it's not like you know you're manufacturing, uh, you know, sticky notes, and and you do that every day. And it's the same thing every day at Imagineering when you create a new attraction. It's very scary and it's very daunting, and you don't know quite how you're going to do it. But you have a great group of people, brilliant people that can figure these things out and can help you. I always say, you know, it's one thing to come up with an idea for an attraction, but it's entirely another thing to actually deliver it. And I also kind of contend that Imagineering shows and attractions to me is with all due respect to all of my colleagues in the entertainment industry, I, I really think it's it's the hardest, most daunting, most challenging thing only because we, we have to get it right the first time. We're brick and mortar. It's gonna live there for a long, long time. I mean if you if you put on a theatrical play and a line isn't working, you can change it. You know, if you if you come up with a, a sitcom that isn't working, it doesn't make it another season. But in Imagineering, you know, we're brick and mortar. And not only that, but, you know, it has to operate operationally. It has to be sound and work and be maintainable and, you know, get many guests an hour through that. And you really kind of have to get it right first time. So I sounded a little bit like I was joking, but seriously, everyone, when you consider all of the parameters and the rules and the laws and the things that you have to abide by in order to deliver an attraction that runs you know, every single minute of every day of every week of every month of every year, all the time, they're all pretty challenging, but in a really good way. You know, most Imagineers really like the puzzle of things and they like figuring things out and they like delivering things that are new and things that nobody has ever seen before. But when you were first asking that question, Tony, I'm thinking about, you know, when I was pitching a show, when I had no idea how we were going to do it, like when I was pitching Mr. Potato Head for Toy Story Manway Mania to the animation group who was actually going to build the Mr. Potato Head. And I said, and Mr. Potato Head reaches up and he takes his ear out. You know, the jaws hit the floor. It was like, (laughs) wait, what? He's going to take his ear out? Or, you know, in Radiator Springs Racers, when Mater has to, as you're traveling forward in your car as a guest, and Mater is having to travel backwards every 10.8 seconds and deliver a line of dialogue in the scene and repeat that every 10.8 seconds, How how are we going to do this? Personally, I think some of the shows that were really tough, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier on, is I really am paranoid about bugs, and here I am, you know, writing. It's tough to be a bug show. So that was pretty daunting just in the subject matter or, you know, rock and roller coaster. I only went on that one time and I'll make a confession. I only went on that attraction one time. And that no was, way. and there's a funny little story about that if you want me to tell you. Yes. Okay. So you know what? That was another good answer to that question is the thing that I worried most about working on rock and roller coaster was not about working on the attraction itself, but about having to go on it as a team member. As we were building it, my entire team on both coasts, in California and in Florida. Come on, Kev, you have to ride it. You have to ride it. Well, you know, I said, I'm only going to ride it one time. And that is when Tom Fitzgerald comes out from Imagineering to buy off on the sound, on the audio level. And that day came and I was trying to think of ways that I could get out of it. But of course (laughs) I could not. And Tom showed up and what does the team do? They've been after me for a year to ride this thing. And so they put me in the very front seat with Tom Fitzgerald. And I was just, you know, beside myself. And so the coaster launches and I'm screaming my head off and we get to the unload station. And I actually got out of the vehicle and I kissed the unload station and (laughs) my entire team was there cheering me on. John Dennis and the sound crew were there because they were waiting for, you know, Tom's thumbs up or further direction on the audio level. And they said, so Tom, what did you think? And Tom pointed at me and says, I have no idea about the audio level. All I heard was him screaming like a girl the whole time. We have to do it again. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> oh. Wow. Well, thank yeah. you for making that sacrifice. For all well, of you that. know,
3: it's, it's the least I could do. And it, it was worth <laughs> it. And I think it was all like a dream. But, uh, but I did go on. it. I went on it once.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, a year ago, which I can't believe it was a year ago at this point. We discussed some Easter eggs in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and I know that we loved finding so many of them, getting off the attraction back on the attraction and finding more of them off and on just back and forth to find all these Easter eggs. Can you tell us about some of the other Easter eggs on some of the attractions that you've worked on that we should look for on our next visits?
3: Oh wow, there are so many little ones. I remember when I was working on The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh for the Magic Kingdom in Florida, as a team member, you oftentimes, near the end of a project, you wear many hats. And I happened to be in one of the scenes where there were stars in the sky, and I painted a bunch of little hidden Mickey stars up there. You really have to know where they are to find them. I Ooh. challenge you to go through there a hundred times, and you may not see them because they're, they're pretty hidden. Only I know where they are. Also, on Radiator Springs Racers... After Ramon's paint shop scene, if you happen to be on that side of the track in Ramon's paint storage area where you see Doc Hudson, on the shelf there, there's a cardboard box and it says k Paints. Very subtle. I mean, it's, it's really easy to miss. And then there's like a, a, an ID number underneath the box. It looks like a typical you know box. And that's actually my initial and my wife Patty's initial and our wedding date under that.
0: Oh, that's so sweet.
2: <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I got look out for that. Knowing that there's a whole lot of Disney out there, do you have that one attraction from any time, any place that you didn't get to work on, but really wish you could have?
3: Oh, another good question. There are actually a bunch of them. I wish I could have worked on um, Indiana Jones attraction at Disneyland. That's that's mm. pretty awesome. Tony Baxter group did a really, really good job with that. There are so many, of course, you know, Avatar at Animal Kingdom is just just spectacular. Mm. That, that whole land would have been a fun one to work on. And you know what, believe it or not, of all the attractions and shows and parks and things that I've worked on over the years, I did not work on Shanghai Disneyland.
1: Mm. it's a beautiful park. It really is. Kevin, I think something that I, I don't know that everyone knows, but you did mention that you wrote songs. So, Talk about some of the songs you've written, because I think, you know, you reference the Sherman Brothers, but you've got your hand in a, a few favorites
3: from the parks as well. When I was a kid, I was interested in so many different things. And one of them was music and, and just kind of songwriting, just for fun, just just on my own. and never really shared them with anybody. And then when I got up to Imagineering, Several years later, I still have a huge love for music, all kinds of music. And then I was able to start to write songs for shows and attractions. And boy, what a joy that was. I never thought in my professional career would I ever have an opportunity to bring out the musical side of me and have that play out in some of the parks. I mean... You know, from the the finale song, It's Tough to Be a Bug, to, you know, the theme song for Mater's Junkyard Jamboree, Luigi's Rollick and Roadsters theme song. Luigi come from far away from the land of Carsoli. <laughs> you know, <laughs> midway mania. You'll love this game. It's so insane You know, and just, just songs, a <laughs> right ahead song, and, and you know, written songs that, that Mickey and Minnie and, and Goofy and the various characters, Daisy Duck and Donald have sung for on different occasions for things, and it's so weird when I when you call somebody in the company and you're put on hold and you hear one of your songs <laughs> being played on on the hold music. It's crazy. And then, of course, I wrote the show for Sunny Eclipse uh, in Cosmic Ray Starlight Cafe and Tomorrowland at the, at the Magic Kingdom. You know, Sunny is this intergalactic lounge act who happens to be performing on Earth. There's that kind of parallel universe where, even though he's from another planet, you uh, Nork, that he's here on Earth performing these, these songs. And it was amazing to me to learn that one of my colleagues, there's a song I wrote that Sonny sings called Bright Little Star. It's just this cute little romantic ballad. And when he got married, they used that for their first dance song at their wedding reception. It was really something. And so to be able to write music for the parks... Uh, and for the Disney audience has just been one of the great joys of, of my career because I, I just love music so much. And then, you know, having the opportunity to work with the Sherman Brothers on occasion and Christopher Willis, who was the composer for all the Mickey shorts. And, you know, he, he uh, composed the original music for Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. And just I've been involved in so many projects that music was so important to them And it was very important to me. So, you know, just knowing like even as we speak that somewhere in one of the parks, you know, one of my songs is being played for something has just been amazing and that they even help in storytelling. Did I tell you the story of the It's Tough to Be a Bug finale?
0: I don't think so.
3: Do you want to hear the little backstory to how that came about? Yes, please. Okay. (laughs) So working on the show, as I mentioned, I'm, you know, not a big bug fan, but but I met with some of the, the country's top entomologists and said, hey, look, I have 31 seconds in a finale of the show called It's Tough to Be a Bug to bring it all home. You guys are the top entomologists of this country. If you were to tell a thing or two to human beings in the United States of America on the importance of bugs, what would you say? And they said, basically, they all agreed. And they said, you know what? Bugs, if they didn't pollinate, uh, we would all starve. And if they didn't eliminate uh, waste, uh, human beings wouldn't survive on the planet. So (laughs) those two key... Things, you know, we're, we're pollinators. If you like vegetables, fresh fruit and flowers, give thanks to us bugs for our marvelous powers. If it weren't for the fact that we like the taste, you'd be out there wallowing in shoulder-high waist. And if all bugs were wiped off the face of the planet, there should be no humans around here to man it. The best thing about us, it's you can't live without us. Still, it's tough to be a bug. So...
0: Wow,
3: amazing. (laughs) What was fun about that is is as fun as that was, it's very, you know, it's very serious. That's the truth. Yeah. We do need insects, even though they, they creep me out. You've been a part of many
1: incredible experiences and events with D23, from panels at D23 Expo to our destination, D event at Walt Disney World. What's it meant for you to be able to connect so closely with D23 members who are some of you know, yours and Disney's
3: biggest fans? Oh, wow. Well, First of all, I'd like to say that, you know, being involved with D23 in any way has always been just my honor and privilege because I know how much people love being D23 members. And there, of course, are park fans and our Disney fans and the good people that we do all this for. This is why we do what we do for them. And to be able to meet them face-to-face and to have them actually come up and see us at D23 and thank us for for what we do for them. It's just, it's so so humbling and so wonderful. And I'm a big fan of both the cast members in the parks and especially of our guests. Our guests are, are really the greatest people in the world. And because they are D23 members, they are. They're the greatest people in the world. So having the opportunity to go with them and meet with them and be with them during these D23 events, which are, you know, you guys do such an amazing job with them. And they're so spectacular. And afterwards, you're kind of on a high for weeks, whether you've been involved with D23 or whether you've gone as a guest. It's really, really great. So I've always felt just, just very, very privileged and really honored to do that because our guests love it so much. And and that's that's the other thing about when you're kind of there on an opening day of an attraction. It's kind of that same feeling where you get to see it through their eyes. You get to see the guests happiness right there in real time. And, you know, it just doesn't get better than that.
0: Hmm. Well, thinking back on your long, amazing career as an Imagineer, what would you say is the greatest lesson that you've learned working as an Imagineer?
3: Oh, another great question. I think the greatest lesson I've learned that I didn't know at the very beginning, but that I knew, you know, not too long after I started was the value Uh, and the importance of what we do as Imagineers. I've mentioned this before, but, you know, there are a lot of careers in the whole world. You know, there are a lot of, you know, doctors and cab drivers and airline pilots and all good and worthy and wonderful and necessary careers. But how many Imagineers are there? there? There's just like a drop of water in the ocean of careers in the world. So one of the things I've learned is kind of what a privilege it is to be one and to carry on. Walt's long-time tradition uh, and legacy of, you know, the, the Disney parks will never be completed as long as there's imagination left in the world. And uh, the big lesson there is in helping to deliver some of those new attractions and, and shows and even parks about how valued they are to our guests and about how much they appreciate that. You know, I mean, essentially, creating happiness for people is just the best thing you can possibly do. And when you come to that understanding and you realize, you know, there there are people who are, you know, will lose sleep overnight because they're so excited about going to a Disney park. There's, you know, make a wish kids whose, whose wish is to go to a Disney park. There you know, there's reassurance in the parks. And to be able to contribute to that happiness and that reassurance, I think the the lesson there is 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 that you really have to do the best possible work that you, you can as an Imagineer, you have to settle for nothing less than excellence because of the value and the importance of your work, because it impacts the emotion and the happiness of our guests. And so mm. the lesson was never to take lightly the importance of what the projects and the fun and the shows and the things that we deliver as Imagineers is that it's, it's not just a job, but take it from me. It, it, it cannot just be a job because it impacts people's lives in a most positive way.
0: Wow. Love that answer. That's the Imagineering way.
3: I'm taking taking all of this
2: energy with me right now. Also, you guys. (laughs) Kevin, was there someone who inspired you most during your time here?
3: Oh, wow. There were a lot of someones who inspired me over the years. No man is an island. You know, you like I said, it's it's one thing to come up with an with an idea for something, but it's another thing to actually design and deliver it, and to get it right the first time. As I mentioned before, there have been so many people that have that have meant so much to me over the years that have that have contributed so much to my growth and my learning and my strength as as a designer and a storyteller. People that come to mind are, you know, of course, uh, Marty Sklar. My old boss and and mentor and and longtime leader of Imagineering, it was just an amazing time to be under his leadership and friendship all those years. And uh, a couple other people come to mind: Tom Fitzgerald, who uh, has been an Imagineering, you know, just about as long as I have. And he and I kind of grew up together in the company. And Tom is just an amazing storyteller and ideator and creator. I've just learned a lot from him. And then my dear friend and colleague, Robert Coltrane, who worked on a lot of attractions with me and somebody that, that we were of the same mindset. You know, there was nobody better at at space, at show set designs and showmanship and, and figuring out how things fit into a box and how they work. And he was also, a, uh, he, he still is a, a great storyteller. We complimented each other quite a bit over the years and, and worked on, you know, several attractions together. Like uh, we started with um, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh at at the Magic Kingdom in Florida. Before that it was a Snow White attraction in Florida. And we worked on Mike and Sully, Monsters, Inc. Mike and Sully, the rescue at Disney California adventure. And and of course, Radiator Springs Racers. And we came up with Toy Story Midway Mania together. And when I was early on working on the story for uh, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, the story was kind of daunting and how it would all fit into the existing facility at the Disney Hollywood Studios. Of course, I went to Robert for his expertise and I told him, we're going to close the door in of my office and we're not coming out in 60 days. We're just going to stay here until we figure this whole thing out. <laughs> and that's pretty much what we did. So we bounced a lot of stuff off each other. We we're you know, very similar in our thinking just somebody else that comes to mind of course is you know the wonderful Sharita Carter who yeah. who I worked with uh, of course as you know on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway Sharita is just just the best she's just like the perfect quintessential imagineer she's very nurturing she is just brilliant and just, you know, has, has this great demeanor about her and this calmness. And in, in, in highest stress moments, she can, she can deal with it. So people like these that I've mentioned, and of course, many, many more, we could talk about folks all day that have, that have influenced me in my career and, and my personal life that are just amazing people. And I, I kind of believe that we were all brought to Imagineering to do what we do together at the time we did it together you know, some some really wonderful things came out of those relationships and those working relationships and personal relationships. Because, you know, Imagineers, when you're designing and developing and working in the field and working crazy hours and uh, working on impossible projects together and working through challenges and things that no one has ever done before, you, you become very close. You become like family. And, you know, everybody supports each other and everybody has everybody else's back. So people like these are ones that make you stronger, better, better designers, better with, with showmanship aspects. And somebody that when you paint yourself into a corner, they throw the the cardboard down so you can walk out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> a lot of those people you named are working on some projects
1: that are in production right now, or I should say several of them. Of all the Imagineering projects in the pipeline right now that are in production, what is something that you can't wait to experience as a guest?
3: Well, a couple of them come to mind, of course. The new Guardians attraction at Epcot is, Mm -hmm. and even though, you know, I'm not a coaster aficionado, I I definitely want to do that because it sounds so amazing. It sounds so incredible. And of course, the Splash attraction that's being developed at at Sherita is involved with Inspired by Princess and the Frog sounds absolutely wonderful. It just sounds really magical and and, and fabulous. And and uh, I can't wait to go on that. All
2: right, Kevin, the question that the people really want to know here, what's the first thing you're going to do now that you've retired?
3: <laughs> I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> you know what, Tony? I think it, it, it's so funny that I have really been in high gear for over 42 years. I've had you know, a bunch of plates spinning the air, working on lots of projects at the same time. And I've enjoyed every single second of it. I, I wouldn't change it. I've been kind of blessed in that I'm really high energy and I can go to a lot of places and work on a lot of things all at the same time. And it's really been kind of 100% go, go, go for decades. And I know it's going to be hard to do, but the first thing I'm going to do actually is get up in the morning and pour myself a cup of coffee and really try that day, <laughs> really, really work hard to like not do anything for a whole day and see what that feels like. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to make it for a whole day, but I'm going to try it. I'm just going to try it and just kind of clean the slate and just see what happens from there. And And then I think afterwards, it's funny. I might come full circle. When I started as an Imagineer, I was an art major. I thought I was going to be more of a designer from a visual perspective, but I ended up getting more into, into the storytelling uh, and ideation part of the um, of the business. And I might come full circle and get back to sketching and, and maybe oil painting. And mm-hmm. and uh, of course, I'll continue maybe you know writing music, personal songs I've written. A lot of fun songs for the parks and stuff. Maybe do that kind of aside from Disney for a change. And I don't know. I really haven't taken a step back long enough to to, to plan. I'm not really a planner. I'm kind of a seat of your pants kind of guy. But the first thing to answer your question, the first thing I'm going to do is is like nothing for a day and see how that works. See if I can do it. My wife doesn't think I can do that, but I'm going to try.
2: <laughs> That's so real and relatable. I wish you nothing mm-hmm. but rest and relaxation. So. Yes. <laughs>
3: <Thank you. laughs>
0: Okay. well, thinking back again to a year ago when we were together, we asked you to share your favorite Disney memory. And you said it was standing in the unload area of Radiator Springs Racers right after it opened. And we'll let people go back and check out the episode. It's episode 27 for those who want to go back and hear the full answer. But, Kevin, do you have a second favorite Disney memory?
3: I love that question. And by the way, when you guys were there last year and we were all together, it was so great to see you, and we had so much fun, and what a what a great day that was.
0: Uh, yes, that's my favorite Disney memory. <laughs> oh, that's,
3: well, well, to answer your question, a couple of things. One is, I have so many memories, and I have so many that come to mind, because you can imagine, in the world of an Imagineer, where there's no such thing as a typical day, so many you know, non-typical things happen that are very memorable almost every day as a result of that. But just one little little sidebar story here is I remember, and I forgot what year it was. It was maybe 20 years ago or something. Or whenever we were designing Tokyo Disney Seas, we had in the Maple Building, in the center part of the Maple Building, we had a large model of that new proposed park downstairs. And upstairs, there was a conference room that we affectionately called the Aquarium. And we called it that because one entire side of the room was glass. And I had actually written a song. I had a, a kind of a peer review group in the room. There's about a dozen people sitting across the table. I had my back toward the glass wall that looked down to the model shop area of the Maple Building. And I started singing this song and shaking myself about and uh, really was getting into it. And my colleague across the table, you know, gave me the sign like the finger across the throat, like stop, stop, stop. And I had my, my little boom box with a cassette tape in it and I, I stopped and pushed the stop button, and I said, "What?" And she pointed behind me, and I turned around, and here was the entire Disney board of directors <laughs> standing around the Tokyo Disney Seas model, and they were all there. And Sydney Poitier was, who I'm a huge fan of, was staring up at me, and I thought, "Oh man, I am so fired." And Sydney waited, like counted down five seconds, and then he started clapping. And then the entire Disney Board of Directors started clapping. And it it occurred to me that I'm probably the only imagineer in the history of the planet that could, you know, shake his rear end at the Disney Board of Directors and get applause after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you've earned that right.
1: <laughs> well, Kevin congratulations. Thank you so much for being with us. And for those of you who want to hear more from Kevin, you can listen to our earlier episode of the podcast with him. But also he wrote the fantastic book, Magic Journey, My Fantastical Walt Disney Imaginary and Career from Disney Publishing. So you can look that up. Kevin, we cannot wait to hear what comes in the next chapter of your fantastical career and life.
0: Yes. And good luck trying to do nothing for a day. (laughs)
3: Sherry will give you many tips on that.
0: (laughs) Truly, yes.
3: Uh, I always so enjoy, you know, being on your podcast and and I feel so honored and humbled to be asked, Tony and Sherry and Jeffrey, as always, you guys are the best and this was so much fun and, you know, that's what it's all about, right? Fun. You got to have fun.
0: Kevin, so cool. What a guy, what a career, what a legacy. I'm so honored that we got to speak with him again.
2: His story is really a Disney dream in itself. Indeed. So cool.
0: Truly. Mm. Truly. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us about Survivor with me specifically, hashtag <laughs> D23 Inside Disney.
1: And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. And we'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.